Well, today we're going to do something that we do not do very often, and we are going to deviate from our study in 1 Corinthians. I know some of you were just anticipating that as we were going to go through that list today, that we were going to define those gifts definitively once and for all and put it all to rest. But today I think I want to talk about something else, and I think it's a pressing matter that we need to address as a church and as individuals. We are living in unprecedented times, and we are living in unprecedented, uh, at least for us, decisions that are going to have to be made. And one of those things is vaccinations. What do we do with vaccinations? And today I want to talk about what is the Christian response to mandated vaccinations? What must we do? What must we understand about this as this is a, a reality that is in many of our lives where we are being mandated and made to get a vaccination in order to keep our jobs and for us to continue keeping our freedoms. So what do we do? How does a Christian respond to mandatory vaccinations? Well, today, what I want you to start with is I want you to, first of all, put away all of your prejudices and all of your thinking before we go to the Word of God. So now that we've done that, that's quick. That was easy, <laughs> right? But what I want us to do is, is, is to take all of those arguments that are coming to your head right now, and I want you to set them aside. Because I know they're popping into your head and you're saying, well, but vaccinations do more harm than good. And some of you are thinking, but vaccinations do more good than harm. Right? And some of you are saying, it's my constitutional right. I have the right not to do this. Some of you are saying, it's my body. Don't tell me what to do with my body. Don't, don't, don't interfere with that. Some of you are saying, well, you know what? I don't need one. I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm robust. Why would I ever take one? It's just silly, right? I'll, I'll survive, I'll be okay. Some of you are saying, yeah, but this, 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 I don't know, this vaccine, it's been rushed to the market. It's been rushed, it's been hurried. Normally they take seven years. They, they, they rushed this baby out in a year. They got it out here. It, I, you know, I don't know the long-term effects. I'm scared. Some of you are saying, scientists lie. That's what they do, right? We've been lied to so much. What can we believe? And I don't trust them, and I don't trust what's going on. Some of you are saying, well, you know what? I've already been vaccinated how many times already? Praise the Lord for medicine, right? Right? I, I got a polio, polio shot. I've got several other shots. I'm doing okay. I'm just happy that there's science. And so we've got all of these ideas going around in our heads and they're coming up and down and we're, we're fighting with them and, and we're, we're wrestling with all of these things. But I want you to put those all aside now that I brought them up and put them in the forefront of your mind. <laughs> Didn't say it was going to be easy. 
But we've got to take a look and we've got to say, okay, where do we start as a Christian? How do I respond to this? The government is mandating it and it's certainly, it's, he's, they're closing the gap, right? They're closing the loop on us. You're losing freedoms. Maybe losing jobs. So if the government mandates that everyone gets a vaccine, what do we do? How do we respond as believers? Well, I suggest to you that we start working from the word of God and we'll work our way out. And we'll, we'll, we'll take scriptures that, that speak directly to this and, and then we will work out the implications of them. So naturally, the first place we're going to start is, is really what we would say maybe the key passage and, and maybe our key understanding is Romans 13. In other words, we gotta start, we've got to start with something that will actually dictate the rest of the way that the debate goes. In other words, Romans 13 is going to tell you a lot as to where you're going to end up on this debate. Romans 13 says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. So first of all, we recognize right away that God has ordained governments. And he's also ordained that people be subjected to the governing authorities. And that resisting governing authorities ultimately what is resisting God he says therefore whoever resists authority is opposed the ordinance of God and they who oppose the will receive condemnation on themselves for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior but for evil do you want to have fear of authority do what is good and you will have praise from the same in other words if you submit to the, the government you submit to the authorities and you do good they're, 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 it's good for you, right? It's good for you. If you don't, they will punish you. Do what is good and you will have praise from the same for it is a minister of God for you for good. In other words, it's government's intended for your good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God and an avenger that brings wrath on the one who practices evil. In other words, God has given it a mandate, and it's a coercive mandate, and it's a mandate that they are able to enforce what they are, the authority that they have to the point of death, right? A sword's, a sword's not for spanking. We talked about that before, right? You don't spank people with a sword. You chop their head off, right? It's coercive. It's forceful. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. In other words, not only are you going to get into trouble, but for your own conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants of God, devoting themselves to the very, this very thing. Render all what is due to them, tax to whom is tax, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor owe nothing to anyone except to love one another for he who loves his neighbor will, has fulfilled the law so he said here's the, here's what government is to do they are to reward those who do good 
and punish those who do evil. But the question then becomes on whose authority or what right and wrong standard is that government to be placing its judgment? And according to this, this is appointed by God to hold up what? He's a minister of God, an avenger that brings wrath on those who practice what? Evil. Evil according to God's standard. Now it's interesting. There are a group of of believers who would take this and say that you must obey the government on everything without exception. God's appointed authority, authority is from God, therefore you must not. Now you won't find very many of those who will give that carte blanche statement. But the next statement they will make is, well, you have to obey the government except in Acts where, where the disciples said, we will obey God rather than man. In other words, only in proclaiming the gospel. Only in proclaiming the gospel. And so you can obey the government in everything except if they tell you not to share the gospel, then you can share the gospel. But I would suggest to you that the principle in in Acts chapter 4, or in Acts chapter 5, both, is that you must be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ above authorities on earth. Again, Acts chapter 4 says this, Peter and John answered to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. We cannot speaking about what we have seen and heard. Acts 5.29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Again, with the proclamation of the gospel. But I would suggest to you that there is a, a bigger principle here that says actually anytime that you are forbidden to do what God has told you to do, or you're told to do something that God forbids you to do, that you must obey God rather than man. Now, what's interesting here, and and I, I just want, I don't know if you've ever thought of this. When you look at Romans chapter 12, we sometimes take Romans 13 and we take that passage and we would say we take it in isolation. It's like we all of a sudden just start talking about the government as if it just parachuted out of nowhere. But there's context to Romans 13. Look with me back at verse 14. Blessed are those who persecute you. Blessed who persecute you blessed bless and do not curse bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep be of the same mind towards one another do not be haughty in mind but associate with the lowly do not be wise in your own estimation never pay back evil for evil for it to anyone respect what is right in the sight of all men 
if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but I leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him to drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except for God. And then he goes on and he says, what is the government there for? To punish those who do evil. Now understand, in context then, why is he talking about the government's authority to punish? Because one of God's ways of getting his vengeance on evil is for the government to punish those who do evil. Do you see that? So when he starts talking about the government, it's not like Paul just all of a sudden says, oh, by the way, he's got a context to it. The government there and there is therefore there to what? Punish evil and reward those who do good. That is what God's intent for government is. So to use Romans 13 as, as the statement that says you must always obey, obey the government in all circumstances is to take it beyond where Paul has intended it to go. So we must establish then, and I believe biblically that we can stand on the fact, there are circumstances, there are things that the government does not have authority to tell you to do. If they tell you to stop worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, you say no. If they say stop preaching the gospel, you say what? No. They say you can't gather, we say no. We must obey God rather than man. So we can establish then at least from Romans 13 that this is not a thing where you must obey the government in everything we have a higher authority that we answer to now we're going to have to eventually apply this to vaccinations aren't we we're eventually going to have to say okay but the government does have authority it does have the ability to do certain things and so must I obey in this circumstances now there are those who are going to say ultimately the government's job is not to be in health care it's not to be taking care of the family it is, it is to punish those who do evil and to reward those who do good and therefore they have no authority over the church they have no authority with inside the family so when the government says you can't teach this to your children or you can't discipline your children a certain way, you have authority on the word of God to do exactly as God calls you to do. And so you may say, well, vaccinations are therefore over my body and my health and therefore the government does not have authority over my body. And so the government may suggest I take a vaccination, but they can't force me to take one, at least before God, I don't have to take it. Now I say all of that 
because as you come to think about vaccination, you have to decide where you fall on Romans 13. You have to have, you have to in your heart come to a conclusion as to where that line is. In other words, you're going to have to say, actually, the government has absolute authority over me and I must take it. The government actually is, is, is stepping into an area that they don't have authority in. And therefore, I can, I can or cannot take this vaccination in front of God. Now, I'm not saying, now hear me clearly, I'm not saying that means you don't have to take it or that you have to take it. I'm saying you need to land on what you believe about Romans 13 because now that will be fundamental to how you approach it. Because if you already believe that without, with, with absolute authority, the government can tell you to do anything that it wants, then we're not debating this, right? We don't debate it. But if you believe that there are certain things the government does not have the right to, get, not given to them by God, now you have wiggle room. Now you can say, all right, I think, I think what's going on here is that I, I, I may or may not have, to, I, I don't have to take it before God. Now I have to take into other considerations. So, The government's job is to reward those who do evil, I mean, to, to do good, punish those who do evil. Okay. I was describing how many governments are operating today. <laughs> so, oh, all right. So you, you, start, you start there and you say, okay, where is the government's authority to actually implement this? And then you say, there are other considerations to take in to consideration. Number one, is this harmful for my body? We turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So he says, listen, your body is a habitation of the Holy Spirit. It is his temple, and you are to take care of it. Right? We, could, we could even say that maybe, maybe Exodus 20.13 is in there. You shall not murder. So there's the idea. You're, you're, you're not supposed to kill people. You're certainly not supposed to kill yourself. So you've been given a body that you are to steward. Paul says, you know, exercise, uh, bodily exercise profiteth little. But there's still a profit to it, right? You've been created soul and spirit. You've been, been put together. And you, your body is now... God's body and therefore you need to take care of it and so you look and you say well if the government 
is limited in its power and authority, or even if it commands me to do something, but it, it is harmful to the temple of God, I need to obey God rather than man. In other words, I, I, maybe I have the right to actually say of my body, guess what? This is harmful to my body. As a steward before God, I will protect my body. This is harmful. Now we're going to address some of this more as we go. So I'm, I'm just laying out the skeleton here, okay? But the idea is this, right? Your body is God's body. You are responsible for it. You're not to harm it. And so are you going to take something that's harmful for it? That's the question. And so at that point, you could, if you are concluded on that, you can say, well, guess what? I believe this is harmful to my body. Before God, I believe that I, I, I cannot harm it. Therefore, standing on scripture, I will not. For you who are parents, and particularly you as fathers, you might say, well, my job is to protect my family. First Peter 3, 7 says, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of grace so that your prayers will not be hindered. The idea is you're, you, are, you, are, you are to live with your wife in an understanding way because she's a weaker vessel. In other words, she is physically weaker than you. You are by nature a protector. And therefore, now you are making, as a father, you are making decisions for your family. So you're going to plug in and you're going to say, well, I, it's my responsibility to protect the temples of my family I am one who's a protector of my family, therefore I must what? Protect them. And so as you look at the vaccine, then you're going to say, okay, part of my responsibility is to actually protect my family. I protect my wife and I protect my children. And so you're going to say, all right, as I look at this, is there something that applies here that I can apply to my family? Is there something that I can apply that would keep me from taking the vaccine? Now, for some of you, and, and this is maybe one of the things that we must recognize is medicine is good. Traditionally, over the long haul, medicine has been good for us. Has it not? It has. Uh, James tells us that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of shifting. God has used medicine where we now don't have diseases that we used to didn't that we used to suffer from we have treatments for them overall medicine has had a positive effect right our our lifespan is longer i think of hezekiah remember when he was 
God told him that he would die. He was mortally, mortally sick. And he prayed to the Lord to extend his life. And the Lord answered that prayer. And God told Isaiah, even though he said, I'll extend your life, he says, take a cake of figs. And they took it and laid it on the boil and he was recovered. Even God approves of medicine. He uses it. He used it with Hezekiah. So there's nothing wrong with medicine. We can't say, well, you know, we're just going to let go and let God. We're going to just trust the Holy Spirit here. We're just going to throw everything off and go. Can't do that, right? God uses medicine. Medicine is good. Well, some of you might protest. Vaccines are made with stem cells from aborted fetuses. And so I believe before God that that God created people in the womb. Psalm 139 says, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. God created in the womb. And so you might say, listen, I cannot take the vaccine because it came from stem cells. Now, if that's true, there's a problem, right? That there's a problem. Now, we know that originally... A lot of the research done for vaccinations was done from stem cells that came from an aborted fetus. Now, the fetus itself was not aborted for science sake. It was aborted because the mother wanted, did not want to raise the child. So it wasn't harvested on purpose for vaccinations. And those original cells have been kept alive and they've been used in research and many of the advances even in mRNA testing are a result of what? Of the research that is founded on those things. So the question then becomes, can a believer take those? And you say, but it was sinful to abort the baby. It was sinful to use the, the, the dead tissue or the, the tissue to keep it alive. But the question then becomes, if, you're, if, if, if someone was drunk driving and they smashed into a, a kid and they were killed and your kid needed a kidney and that kidney comes from that act of sin, would you use the kidney to save your child? And I'm not here to tell you what your conscience tells you to do. I'm not here to tell you that you can or cannot because I think believers will come to a different spot on that. Some of the, some of the uh, mRNAs have no fetal stem cells in them at all. They may have used technology that was founded on that, 
but how many other vaccinations have we taken that are also in that same boat? And so the question you need to ask in your own heart is can I, in good conscience, take something that's been developed through this system? Can I, can I take that? And you will have to struggle in your own heart because if I, if I say it's bad, but you think it's good, right? Or if I say it's bad, good and you say it's bad, ultimately you will stand before God and give an account for that decision. So how do we respond then? Because I think what we're seeing is that there is a conscious, a conscience issue here that each one of us will have to come to decide upon. Is it sin to take a vaccination? I can't find the chapter or verse, right? even looked in the Aramaic. None there, right? None in the Greek, none in the Hebrew. And so it's going to have to be through the application of these principles that you will have to decide whether you can take the vaccination or not. We can go through some of those questions but ultimately, as you come down to make these choices, you are going to be listening to sources that you trust, and you're gonna to have to answer some of these questions. Is the vaccine more harmful than, than, than not taking it? Is the, is the cure worse than the disease? Is it helpful? I'm not a doctor, right? but you are going to have to figure out in your mind where you think that stands. And we all have different information and we're, we may land in different spots, but that's okay. Yes, we may be fearful that the, the, the vaccination came quickly, but you will have to determine the risk. You will have to say, what is my authority? How much do I trust it? How much risk am I willing to take? I don't need the vaccination. How do you know? How do you know? And, and, the, and the, what's your authority? And again, these are, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not giving you the answers. I I'm, I'm want to stimulate your thinking. Well, how do we respond to this? Well, there's several ways that we are going to have to respond to this. First of all, we're going to recognize, as far as I know, and I've never been in a church where everybody agreed on everything. Well, there was maybe that one cake that, 
Aunt Kate made. But other than that, no one agrees on everything, right? And I think what we have here is one of those Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 moments where we have a gray area in life that we simply don't have a chapter and verse. We simply don't have all of the information. And we are simply going to have to prefer one another and we are going to have to be unified together recognizing that everyone is coming from a different spot a different conscience and a different amount of information one thing that we want to be careful about doing is to make draw a line in the unity sand and say this side of this in order to be in you got to be on this side of the issue I don't see that in scripture I don't see you get to divide over gray issues we don't want to make laws where there is no law and we don't want to bind consciences because that's not our job that's the Holy Spirit's job We want to be careful that we're respectful, that our speech is full of grace as we talk with one another, that we are loving. People will say, and this is one of the arguments, you need to get vaccinated to love your neighbor, right? You need to love your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. But the question is, is getting vaccinated the loving thing to do? Is it actually the loving thing to do? And that's a question you'll have to answer. Does it, does it, actually, does it actually mean that the loving thing to do is to get vaccinated because people tell you to? There's a little thing called truth as well, right? Where truth, truth is actually necessary for love. And because someone disapproves of what you, what you believe or calls you unloving, it does not necessitate that what you're doing is unloving. You, if you preach the gospel to people, how does that turn out? People don't like that. When you call people on their sin, how do they like that? They don't. They don't. And I, I just want you to listen to this statement. I stole it from somewhere, but I can't remember where. Having a good testimony does not always mean you have a good reputation. Think about that. Having a good testimony does not always mean you have a good reputation. In other words, lots of times when you stand for righteousness, you will be maligned all the time, right? The disciples, stop preaching. You're, you're causing trouble. No, we can't. They crucified Christ, the perfect man. The poor Paul, he was in a jail more than you can shake a stick at. Today, we would call him a troublemaker, but he followed the truth. 
And standing for what is right is actually what God says being a good testimony is, not having the world love you or understand you. But also, you must recognize that as believers, there's greater things at work than your own personal safety and your own death, right? As believers, we're not scared of death. We understand that where we're going, we understand the end. But on the other hand, we're not anxious to get it going, right? We're, we're, we're not anxious to push that boat. So we don't want to be reckless. But the question comes back to, what am I willing to do for the gospel? What am I willing to do for the gospel? In other words, does, does not taking the vaccine keep me from actually seeing people that I can witness to. Does it cause so much division in my own home that they can no longer see my, my righteousness before Christ? So am I willing to give up my freedom because I feel like I don't before God have to take it but am I willing to take it for the gospel's sake another question am I willing to take the vaccine so that I can gather together as the body of Christ Because there can be a tendency to say, well, I'm not buying into the evil system and I know what's taking place and I know Satan's behind this and I know there's a bigger agenda and I know all of this is what is going on. But is it possible to even take the vaccination for a different reason, for a better reason? I'm not scared of that. I'm not scared of the virus. I don't even think I need one. In fact, I think it might be harmful to me, but... I would rather be able to gather as a body than, than, than to be unable to travel because I can't leave my home because the government forbids it. Now I'm trying to make you uncomfortable and I am trying to go on both sides of this issue. The thing is, is that are we preferring others? Now that doesn't, not, and again, that doesn't mean at the end of the day when you check all the boxes that you say, well, okay, I'll just get it then. And don't be guilted into it. You need to be convinced in your own heart. But what do we do then? How do we go about this? Well, I would say this. James says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, and the way he puts that, it's, and you do, 
James is nice that way, and you do. Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. Now, James is talking about in, in, in here about trials. This is one of them. This is one of them, right? And he says, if, if you lack wisdom, and you do, ask God and he will give to you, right? Single-mindedly, generously. He's not going to give, it's not without reproach. He's not going to give you a slap for coming to him. He doesn't say, how come you don't know the answer? He says, come. And he will give you wisdom. So we need to be willing to go to God. Romans 6, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Have your mind not set on your rights, not set on, on what you, the harm, the good, all of those things. Primarily, where does your mind set? Seek first the kingdom of God. What is best for the kingdom of God? Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Look to him. Look for wisdom from him. Look to him on what you should do. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door it will be opened unto you. For everyone seeks who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened to him. Or what man among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish he will not give him a snake? Will he? If then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you what is good to those who ask him? Ask. He'll give you wisdom. And here's the thing that we need to understand. You say, but I, I, I don't know. He says, the man, the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord what? Directs his step. In other words, in these gray areas, you have, you make a plan. You decide what you understand before God is right for you. And then you, you set out to do it. And if you are truly seeking him with your whole heart, and if you are truly seeking his kingdom, and you are doing all, all for righteousness sake, he'll direct your path. You had to get vaccinated, you get run over by a car, you don't need one. That's not where I was going with that, right? But he can, <laughs> he can, he can stop you on the way, right? And I would say this. In light of eternity, this issue is pretty small. There are Afghans running around getting beheaded for Jesus Christ. And we're agonizing over a decision that in maybe in three to five years might kill us or some of us sooner, depending on who we are. 
But I want to make it very clear. You cannot get vaccinated if your conscience tells you that you cannot, right? Romans 14, 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating not from faith and whatever is not from faith is what? Sin. Sin. And, and this is the point. You have to be fully convinced in your mind in your conscience whether you can take it or whether you cannot. And that kills me that I can't give you the answer right I, I'm a black and white guy I love black and white answers and I would love to just tell you but before God I can't I, I can't you are going to have to make those decisions but the only thing that I can appeal to you is that you love your brother that you are patient and that this does not become the divide in the church or the issue that divides us and takes us apart. It cannot be. This is a conscience issue and there needs to be freedom in that. And so you may add up all of the evidence and say, you know what? For the gospel's sake, I'll get it. Some of you will say, for conscience sake, I cannot. If you're in the group that says, I cannot, and this is what we have to understand as believers. The Bible doesn't give you any constitutional rights. Doesn't give you any, any of those rights. So, so put those off the table. What right God does give you is the joy of suffering for righteousness sake. In other words, if you choose not to get the vaccine because you believe that you cannot before God, then your options are simply to take the punishments that come from the government because that's what we do as believers. We can proclaim to the government, you're overreaching, you're overstepping, you're immoral. You're, you're taking authority you don't have. We can announce that to them. We can preach to them. We can proclaim. But we don't coerce. We don't protest. We don't overthrow the government. We simply take the punishment. Jesus Christ did. Paul did. If you stand for righteousness, then what? Blessed is he who what? suffers for righteousness sake it's okay to suffer it's not popular but it's okay Christ suffered Paul said what the fellowship of his suffering I gave all my works up that I might have the fellowship of power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and so we must understand that if we go and we choose what we understand before God, then therefore we take the coercive government, they have the right to punish. And so we take that. So it's my prayer for our church that this issue does not become divisive. 
that we recognize that we start with scripture, apply those principles, and then we look at, is it safe? Is it unsafe? Is it rushed? Is, it, is medicine good, right? Then we plug in those issues, and now we're gonna have to take that information and make a call. And so it is my, my prayer that regardless of what you decide for yourself, that your focus will be on the gospel, on the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, and love for your brethren and consideration. And if we do that, then we'll be pleasing to our Lord Jesus Christ. And after all, isn't that what we want? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for this time together. And I pray that as we consider this issue, that you would give us wisdom beyond what we have. And that we would not be in our flesh in this, but that we would seek your kingdom first. And so I pray that you would grant us wisdom in our own situations and that you would grant us grace for one another and that we might have the unity of the spirit which you have given to us in our church. I pray that you will go before us, protect us, I pray. May your will be done, I pray in your name, amen.